Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. From Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. Hey. We yes. at it again. Babin. Hey, we're babing it out uh, one more time for y'all. <laughs> babing it out one more time. <laughs> ba- babing it out one more time again for all y'all. Babing it out one more time again. Twice. <laughs> Two times, two times for you. Babing it out times. back to back. Here we are. Yeah, we're here again. And uh, today we are just going to jump right in. We have a really exciting topic. We are going to talk about drugs. 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 <laughs> if you are a longtime listener, this is a topic that seeps its way into many of our conversations. <laughs> yeah. This honestly is probably one we probably won't even ever edit this one like for people because yeah. I don't see how this would ever be appropriate in an no. educational setting. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, maybe if we yeah, just had a, a more open-minded society, right? you know, maybe if everyone just tuned in and dropped out, and <laughs> then we might be able to openly we could, have this episode. We playing. could t- try and get this uh, episode to be a part of the dare curriculum yeah <laughs> oh my god what not to do d i won't do drugs a won't have an attitude R, oh. i will respect myself e i will educate me boom i did In not know case, that song that was really good <laughs> don't know that i ever knew that song really so oh. jenny knows that song and i just wonder <laughs> How much of a square were you <laughs> in school? Dude, I was super into dare back in the day. Like it was like, it was like I was, yeah, I'll, I'd never do drugs. Drugs are for losers. I used mm. to be that way too. Yeah, and then I started middle school, and uh, I got started pretty early yeah. with like messing around with with little stuff. I grew up in a very boring area yeah. so in high school all there really was to do for sure was do whatever weird drugs you could get your hands on and drive around in the cuts <laughs> did you did you go on cutty cruises cutty cruise definitely um i mean i was a goody goody until college really oh like i barely oh. even drank in high school i mean oh. i hung out with, i didn't really drink in high school either i i, I hung out with people that did it. stuff but like i didn't drink i didn't touch anything until college wow. and then my worldview changed <laughs> yeah man you know yeah. it happens it does happen um mm. but yeah now i feel so conflicted about dare like dare doesn't actually inform 
kids no. a- about anything truthful, you know? I feel like yeah. Dare is very outdated. It is. And it could be great because obviously I don't want kids doing drugs either. No. Right. But like. Don't do drugs, kids. The way the way to keep kids from drugs is not just like lying to no. them and yeah. like making them feel like they're missing out you know what i mean if you do one marijuana (laughs) this is what'll happen to you you take pot (laughs) you're gonna be a loser (laughs) like the 90s sitcoms there's always that one episode like that one episode of like saved by the bell or like boy meets world like i just watched the boy meets world episode where Corey gets drunk and remember that one he is on that's on netflix now right it's on hulu uh everyone everyone out there boy meets world's on hulu so you're welcome um <laughs> but i just watched the episode Corey and topanga are on a break Ooh. and Corey's taking it real hard oh no and Uh-oh. he wants to be like let loose he wants to let loose and so he steals some of his dad's whiskey eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but for a teenager it's like i want to forget <laughs> Where's my dad's liquor cabinet? <laughs> exactly. So oh, he man. steals some of his dad's whiskey and him and Sean get drunk and they pee on a cop car. <laughs> oh. As you do. As you do. But anyways, it's that it's got that very <laughs> 90s ominous like don't drink, don't do drugs don't feeling, do which once again, kids shouldn't drink and they shouldn't do drugs. But I also don't think we should lie to them about what drugs do. I don't think that's a good thing either yeah because that creates its own set of problems you know true and then also kids have these really strict ideas about drugs and alcohol then they go to college and just go fucking nuts and then yep. become alcoholics exactly. so yeah. Like <laughs> true. yeah yeah anyway okay okay before we got- go nuts like we're just gonna dive right in so Today, we are talking about a very fun topic, how drugs have affected art making, uh, drugs of all kinds. Since yeah. the beginning of time. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Since the beginning of yes. humans. Yeah. It has been a factor. Since we were dirty apes, and yes, we believe in evolution, <laughs> come at me, creationists, <laughs> I will debate you. Um, since See, we... The thing is, you can believe in evolution and be a creationist, so I get really frustrated with creationists that don't believe in evolution, because mm. it's like, you can believe in God and still be like, yeah, yeah. science exists, you know? Like, it's not... They're not mutually yeah. exclusive. <laughs> be, be real. But a lot of the information I'm going to talk about comes from this dope book... That I got at a used bookstore. I was going to say, have you always had that book? Yes, I've had oh. it for a long time. Let's see. What's it called, It Corey? is called Altered States, Ooh, Creativity yes. Under the Influence Boom, there by it is. James Hughes. Ooh, James Hughes. And it's a really great book. He explores creativity in relation to alter, altered states in a variety of ways. He um, does talk a lot about visual art, but he talks a lot about music, about writers, mm-hmm. about all forms of creativity. He talks about drugs, but he also talks about just different mind states basically like things how things like meditation can affect Mm -hmm. artwork how Mm -hmm. things like uh mental illnesses can affect artwork so he really tries to cover some big ideas about consciousness yeah and creativity so it's a very ambitious book yes trying to cover a lot about what makes humans creative so i'm going to focus more so on the drug aspect um and specific drugs he talks about and how they have affected creativity historically before we get into specifics just a few things about drugs and consciousness so this is a quote from the book 
Drugs are the time-honored exit route away from ordinary consensual reality. From coffee to cocaine, from aspirin to ecstasy, <laughs> drugs provide not one but numerous alternatives to external reality. Damn, I'm drugged out all the time <laughs> then, according to this. No, we are. Like, that's something we so commonly forget. Right. Coffee is a drug. Yes. Like, it is. Caffeine is a drug. Oh, my Indian food. Ginny's food is finally here. We got some Indian food. Yeah. As podcasters, we understand the importance of quality sound. Studio headphones are stylish and sleek with proper sound quality. If you like on-ear headphones, you know the ones that make you look like a DJ, you'll love the Regent. With 24 plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life, the Regent is the perfect companion to you at home or on the go. If you're looking for headphones to meet your more athletic lifestyle, check out the Tray with 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life. Made out of sweat-proof material and has custom wing tips that stay comfortably in your ear no matter how you're moving. These are only two of the many styles that Studio has to offer, so go to studio.com to check them out. Studio emphasizes the modern Scandinavian design while also providing a product that matches the quality of even the highest-rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. And they provide free worldwide shipping. Use the discount code BABES to get 15% off any purchase. Go check them out. They're beautiful. Okay. All right. So Jin's got her Indian food. Congratulations on your Indian food. (laughs) And And, uh, um, back to drugs. Back to drugs. Okay. Um, So drugs are basically an escape from reality. We all kind of know that. But this has like... A lot of implications. And the thing about talking about drugs and researching drugs and trying to view drugs in an academic way is that unfortunately, a lot of people just shut it down immediately Mm -hmm. because of this idea that like drugs are bad. And it's like, okay, like you can't pretend that they're not a thing though. Like you can't pretend that drugs haven't affected our development as humans and the way we create things. Like it just is... Yeah, it's really interesting. I think there are a few arguments that have been made that Homo sapiens' tendency to imbibe in mind-altering substances has sort of been like the branching off of humanity. Yes, yes. You know, um, there's speaking of altered states, like the book. There's this insane movie called Altered States that y'all should watch, and it's kind of about that. I'm not gonna spoil anything but basically dude turns into a monkey that's all i'm gonna say um there's also there's also a book that it's based on that's a fiction anyway so i really do believe that that is true though yeah and i'm actually gonna talk about that a little bit more here really soon so and yeah unfortunately people like to just shut that down and i think they're often people who have never tried drugs <laughs> like i think hey try some drugs no no i'm not like no. <laughs> do you never ever feel peer pressured no, to do anything i think there's nothing do like that. worse than pressuring people into doing things they're uncomfortable doing don't ever but also don't judge other people for doing things you right. don't want to do yeah um, like if you don't like it then just you know get out of there yeah just be like nah <laughs> yeah I'm Not cool. So, um, yeah, just exit 90 sitcom style. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, so in a 1969 symposium, 
Altered States of Consciousness was the name of it. Charles Tart published studies of several mental states, including hypnosis, dreaming, meditation, and drug-induced conditions that, quote, revealed a qualitative shift in the pattern of mental functioning. He named these Altered States of Consciousness, or ASCs. Since then, Tart and several other researchers have argued for the existence of a non-material quality to the human mind, or a non-physical consciousness. Oh, I love that stuff. I do, do, do. That's like the whole <laughs> concept behind taking DMT is like yeah. connecting to that universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. I will never do that drug. I'm sorry. <laughs> it scares me. I I will do it when I feel close to death like when i'm older mm-hmm. i definitely want to do dmt don't need i don't need that kind of revelation right now nah. <laughs> like i'm too young yeah <laughs> yeah not right now um this kind of study is uh related to this was the first time i'd actually heard this term transpersonal psychology so transpersonal psychology is kind of the psych psychological study of that there is there is a non-material consciousness is kind of the main nugget, you know, mm-hmm. that they're working off of. That there's something about human existence that, like, you could pick through a brain all day and you wouldn't be able to find it. Yeah, um, that's, I think, that seems almost, not obvious, but, you know. It's whether or not, I mean, I think it very much relates to whether or not you believe in a soul, mm-hmm. you know. It's a soul kind of thing. A consciousness, a soul, a something, a life force that exists outside of your body that just is what zaps you to life, I right? feel so excited right now. I know. Like, I love this like, shit oh, so much. Souls? <laughs> you should see Corey's face right now. She's uh, just like beaming. I could talk about this stuff all day. Oh, um, so there's obviously inherently kind of a spiritual aspect to talking about a lot of these things especially when you're talking about psychedelics a lot of times people are going to be including concepts of a spiritual nature because that's kind of just what happens obviously that's not proof of this consciousness existing but there's there's definitely it's convincing it's convincing yeah um okay so let's start at the beginning of time (laughs) (laughs) let's um cave art i love cave art because of this very reason because it cave art is you know humans first art it was the first time human creatures decided to make something to draw pictures to be creative in some way right which is a pretty big deal Cave art has been hypothesized to be part of greater ritual traditions in cave-dwelling societies. Mm-hmm. They would go deep into those caves, yes, too. Yes, exactly. Like, it is, like, dark. So that's the thing about cave art that I think sometimes people don't think about, especially in, like, your Art 101 class. I think a lot of times cave art is just like, oh, they were just drawing animals that they saw. Right. Why on earth were they going to the deep depths of caves to do that? Like, Super deep. It doesn't make, it doesn't right. make sense for the them last, to go to these yeah. places. The, the last Gao cave paintings, those are deep mm-hmm. in there, and there is no light. So imagine primitive man descending into the darkness with a torch and Mm -hmm. just looking at these pictures or drawing them and it seems like it would definitely have been some kind of ritual yeah exactly and so those ritual traditions like cave art is also connected to other ritual traditions of shamanistic traditions basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of ritual drumming 
dancing, Mm -hmm. and ingestion of psychotropic power plants. Power plants. So we don't know a lot about the people that made cave art, right? This is so far back that we can't guarantee that they were doing these shamanistic rituals. However, so like a lot of anthropologists, including anthropologists Mercia Iliade. Iliade? That's a cool name. Um, (laughs) She has suggested she or he i actually don't know has shown or has suggested that shamanism is a stage in the development of almost all human societies that it's universal and it's basically an old earth religion like oh i love that i know it's just a part like all human societies have this earth religion Mm -hmm. stage um that we grow from so that's very closely linked with shamanism you know shamanism doesn't belong to one culture shamanism is ritual connection to earth right that has been seen all over the world yeah um and shamans are considered healers seers visionaries who have mastered death wow they travel to other worlds through ecstatic trance which, as I said, is achieved by a combination of ritual drumming, dancing, and the ingestions of psychotropic power plants. So these things were all happening when, or were likely, were possibly happening when cave art was made. And if you look at cave art, there is a lot of it that are images of animals, and which the beginnings of human society was very connected to the earth and to animals. So Mm -hmm. they're... Different people interpret it different ways, but a lot of people who study cave art definitely see a, a spiritual aspect to this, to the drawing of animals. It has to do with a spir- spiritual connection to animals. Similarly, there are a lot of non-figurative marks in caves, such as red dots and radiating spheres, which are believed by some ethn- ethnographers to be representative of visions from within or phosphines, which are the sensation of light caused by pressure on the eye- eyelid. So these are things that are also often reported by people experimenting with altered states of perception. Right. So interesting connection there. The cool thing about cave art is it's so mysterious. It's crazy mysterious. And it will probably always be pretty crazy mysterious because there's just not enough for us to ever know so there will always be a lot of speculation but there are several people that believe psilocybin mushrooms may have been responsible for the first art there are people that truly think that these psychotropic plants might have kicked human consciousness in a certain direction i'm gonna go with yeah Right. Um, so I know that there's been a lot of talk about psilocybin um, in influencing a lot of the rituals of like, say, like the Aztec in Mexico or the Maya, like all of these sort of ancient civilizations. There's evidence that they ingested mushrooms mm-hmm. and to have like these visions. And then that resulted in a lot of pretty trippy looking artwork right um so i think that the argument for psilocybin over say ancient aliens um (laughs) is gonna be um a little bit more convincing dude i feel like you could watch every episode of ancient aliens and be like or was it drugs Drugs. they were high (laughs) it was drugs yeah Maybe we have drugs because of the aliens. Oh, Oh, dude, you just took it to a whole nother level. (laughs) (laughs) The the drugs were dropped off by the aliens. I think that that's a yeah, that's a good hypothesis. Created in far galaxies, Mm -hmm. brought to ours. 
You never know. So, so psilocybin mushrooms been around for all Ooh. of time, and they affect things. Let's just say that. Oh, man. <laughs> they have an effect. They have an effect. <laughs> yeah, um, mushrooms are insane. Be careful with yeah. them, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Those are big ideas, and if you're not convinced, you're that's fine. Like, I don't expect you to just, like, yeah. Don't buy. take our word for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not a specialist on the origins of the universe <laughs> are you sure <laughs> i think you might be i don't know yeah. i try but i i don't claim that whatsoever so you'll have your own ideas but just some stuff to think about mm-hmm. i'm gonna jump forward in history a lot oh, and yeah. jump to another drug that really affected a lot of artists opium ah uh, yes ah uh, the opioids oh man opium is just this insane drug that people really did just start doing it and say, I'm going to lie down for the next <laughs> 10 years until I die and just smoke this shit because it's, it's awesome. It's true. So opium is very much related to romanticism. Mm-hmm. Romanticism arised, arised? Arose? Arose, yeah. (laughs) Romanticism arose as a response to Enlightenment thinking. So it was a backlash to Enlightenment thinking. It was also a time where there was a lot of experimentation Mm -hmm. with things. Drug use was popular. And also opium wasn't illegal. Opium was very legal. So it was totally legal in the 19th century. And it created, as Jen, I think, was kind of describing, just a very pretty hazy yeah. universe for a lot of people for many years people were just floating around <laughs> yeah. um yeah opium is associated with this um sort of discovery of the orient Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, it's so mysterious and, and problematic. other other <laughs> other other um speaking of just really quick i was at the store earlier picking out wine there's a wine called The Other, and I should have bought it, but it actually didn't look that good. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. That's yeah. kind of an interesting name for a wine. Yeah. So, so yes, opium led to this romantic style, and there was also a lot of Orientalism in painting within the movement of romanticism. One example that's cited in this book, Altered States, is John Martin's uh is it Belshazzar's? Bel- Belshazzar? Belshazzar? Belshazzar's Feast, 1820. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very fantastical and dreamy. It's just super dreamy. I feel like that's the perfect word for it. There's a lot of it's atmospheric very, yes. um, depth. Yeah, and to if you look work. at that, like, I mean, I've never done opium, but that's that's what opium's like. I like everyone A fuzzy distance. A fuzzy distance. There's kind of some interesting like Opium just layers. makes everything fuzzy. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't cite any proof that John Martin was on opium, but this work did influence romantic writers such as Keats and Thomas mm-hmm. De Quincey, who mm-hmm. were definitely on opium. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> also, according to art historian john richardson picasso's work during his rose period Mm. may have been a manifestation of opium Hmm. um that was brought up in altered states but i also found a very reputable source (laughs) called (laughs) veryimportantpotheads.com 
sounds very academic. I know, right? But actually, they they cite actual sources. Like they talk about an actual nice. book, and I'm like, okay, so I kind of believe you. you. <laughs> I mean, this is a funny site, but great. Um, <laughs> so this is you know a fairly widespread theory that during his rose period, he was experimenting with opium, which was likely that whole crowd was definitely experimenting right. with stuff. Here is his family of Saltim Saltim Banks, 1905. Also, yeah. Super dreamy. If you look at their faces, they look doped out of their minds. <laughs> yeah. That, like, just staring off into the distance. Yeah. That kid with the pointy shoes is definitely high. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful painting. I really mm-hmm. like this. I, I I've i never t- seen this Picasso. Yeah. yeah. I want to spend more time with his rose period stuff. It's interesting. Because... The blue period gets a lot of hype, but the rose period is interesting. It's, um, it's yeah, it's dreamy and mm-hmm. it's atmospheric and... People looking off into the distance mm-hmm. just abounds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so opium. I have a quote from Jean Jean Cocteau. Um, that sounded good. I made that up. <laughs> With opium, euphoria leads the way to death. Whoa! So beware. Whoa. Dang. Yeah, because a lot of people just got really like addicted to opium. Oh yeah. As Jen said, they just laid they down just for ten years <laughs> in like a dark <laughs> cavern on a on a chase lounge. Yeah. <laughs> for days and weeks. And years. And years. And in, you know, like most drugs, feels good for a while, but is going to lead to... Some problems. Problems. You not feeling super good about yourself yeah. after a while. Oh, no, yeah, you would feel pretty you know? bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Because humans are, we're naturally, we naturally want to be productive. And mm-hmm. if we're not being productive, we get sad and yeah. addicted to shit. So. Right. So you got to watch out. Uh, Be careful with opium, kids. <laughs> yeah, opium. Um, Really quick, some famous opium users, Charles Dickens. I love Charles Dickens. Oscar Wilde. I love yes. Oscar Wilde. Man, I love everyone who is on opium. <laughs> Dude, even Benjamin Franklin took it in his later years <laughs> as a <Yeah>. painkiller. <laughs> um. <laughs> of course he did. He's just out there wiling. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh my goodness! He's probably okay. in a lot of pain. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's move okay. on. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so you know that's all you got on opium. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh. So the the whole thing about opium, opium was represented um, mainly. It was a big campaign against, especially in the early 20th century in San Francisco, portraits of opium den, specifically Chinese people using opium, were used as like heavy propaganda against allowing like Chinese immigrants to settle in the city. Mm -hmm. Opium has long been used to mark taboo groups of people. Mm -hmm. So we discussed this idea of orientalism and mm. marking the other and so things like opium that came from the east mm-hmm. the orient <laughs> if you will have definitely been scandalized to um scare people and drugs have been scandalized in western culture so the illegality of drugs like creates this sort of it's like wanting what you can't have. Like it's right. like there's a it becomes even more 
taboo but also even more desired you know right and so when we're seeing actual representations of say like opium use in painting or other representational Mm -hmm. works it's usually always done as some sort of like warning yeah it's 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 used to warn the viewer Mm -hmm. against the excesses of Mm -hmm. these whoever the people are that are using it yeah etc so uh, i think that what we're going to end up talking about the rest of this episode is how there's like an absence of the representation of these drugs that we're going to be talking about. You're not seeing anyone dropping acid, but we're talking about how these drugs influence what's seen visually. So opium, hazy, dreamy, <laughs> hazy, sleepy, dreamy, fuzzy. Dreamy yeah. Yeah. It's a great hazy, dreamy, fuzzy, sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, move on to um, another crazy drug. LSD. God. Oh, this one's going to be fun. Um, Okay. So before we get into the art portion of this, we actually got a message on Facebook from a listener after our Hieronymus Bosch episode. Oh, yeah. So in our Hieronymus Bosch episode, we talk a lot about whether or not he had uh, ergot poisoning. Right. um, Which ultimately we don't know. Yeah. uh, But how would we know? Yeah. There is a debate about it. Ergot poisoning was a big thing. And LSD was discovered while studying ergot, Mm -hmm. while studying mold on bread. And that's how LSD Mm -hmm. was discovered. So LSD is a component of ergot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a chemist. I don't know exactly how different they are. Right. Um, But ergot in large doses makes you very sick and die. Yeah. Um, LSD doesn't really do that mm-hmm. like you still shouldn't take it in large doses yeah you can do a lot of acid you just have to not be busy for at least a month <laughs> <laughs> don't do a lot of acid yeah though. Just, like it's just not don't. you're necessary. not gonna have fun so lsd is related to ergot so we kind of had a conversation in Hieronymus bosch about you know whether this could have affected his work or if we saw any connections and maybe it did maybe it didn't we got a message from a listener and he sent this article from the atlantic that will be posted on our sources Mm -hmm. and it was about ergot and witches which we talked about briefly right so like ergot likely was part of all the witch hunts and stuff people were also like tripping balls off of moldy bread yeah so it helped fuel the craziness surrounding (laughs) witch hunts however there is this whole new aspect of this that is very kind of vulgar, but is fascinating. Does it have to do with poop? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come back to whatever Ginny is thinking about right now. Okay. So, ergot, this was a thing that went on for hundreds of years. Right. Like, this problem of ergot and bread and it killing people in large doses, but it also being a hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. And this article brings up that just like all humans ever... They figured out a way to harness ergot for its hallucinogenic properties. Mm-hmm. Like they figured out how to use it and not get sick, basically. Yeah. Or like use enough to where humans are resourceful that exactly. way. Exactly. So they used ergot in recreational ways. Now the connection between witches and ergot and the further connection to why witches are depicted riding brooms. Oh is surprisingly <laughs> dirty. <laughs> I, I can't um, wait to hear this. Is the phallus involved? Yes. Oh. Okay. So, ah, the phallus. Among the people, can't escape it. among the people that were 
harnessing ergot for hallucinogenic <laughs> purposes <laughs> were often women that knew a lot about plants and, mm-hmm. and these yeah. kinds of things. And those were the women that were often considered witches. Right. Right. Um, were your women that, that understood how right, plants right, right. worked and stuff. Yeah. Um, and one of the common ways to ingest ergot for the hallucinogenic property but not get sick was oh. a beer vagina. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, Dang. Right? And Ooh. apparently... They would put, put it, it on, on the broom, broom handle. Wait, why do that? Why not just I like? Cause they didn't have tampons yet. <laughs> you can't just use your hand like I'm splinters, not exact- dude. Splinters. It, oh. it, I don't know if maybe it has an effect on the skin. Ooh. Like, in oh right, way. if you put it on your hand. I don't know. The, like, I don't remember every detail. You'll have to. Uh, go I want to know everything about this. <gasps> the link will be up. You can go read it. But that was the gist of the it's story. It's just like blue my mind uh, mine too <laughs> i was like sitting in front of my computer with my mouth open i was like oh my god these ladies were wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Damn. that's that's why witches ride brooms everybody. whoa and they were literally flying in their minds exactly <laughs> they were flying off of the hallucinogen whoa that is so amazing i know right? i love that story i do too like how do you even figure that out i know right how do you even get to that point where you're like hmm, yes, yes on the broom, i mean they didn't have television plico. or the internet like i they had a lot more trial time and error to just play <laughs> <laughs> oh man whoa i know it's crazy so yeah, that's fun fact for your next Halloween party. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna show up as the the ergot witch next year. Just, just a broom like sticking out of your vagina. I mean, not the whole thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Corey. Just you know, subtlety. Oh man. Okay, back to art. So LSD is often associated with fractals. If you're unfamiliar, fractals are geometric figures that have a, quote, broken dimension. In the 70s, Benoit Mandelbrot discovered (laughs) this new geometry that could be derived from basic mathematical relationships. So essentially, basic mathematical relationships are programmed into a computer to repeat over and over and over again. And the results are surprisingly organic, natural-looking images Mm -hmm. in a way that kind of just blows everybody's mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Essentially, very complicated structures can be developed from the simple simple formula, multiply, add, and repeat endlessly. Right. And you end up with these complicated organic structures. Um, Now, what is fascinating about that is fractal imagery is often thought of as as representative of deeper universal truths. Right. I think a lot of that is because... You can find these patterns in nature mm-hmm. happening yeah. totally not in a computer. Yeah. And so the fact that they're so deeply mathematical exactly. and you're able to measure these patterns as having a very precise uh, repetition, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they're, I mean, I've seen documentaries on fractals where it just turns into universal consciousness yeah, and exactly. connection <laughs> um but which it's i mean 
it's hard not to go there. Like on a base level, ultimately, it's like mathematics as representative of the universe and existence. Right. And that we can use math to create our existence, mm-hmm. basically, um, which yeah. has very interesting implications no matter how you look at it. Also, just fractal art is trippy to look at. Mm-hmm. It's fun it's to look true. at. Um, Especially if you're on acid. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, this is a fun thing that I really like because I'm very into the decorative and like decorative art. I yeah. think I just think there's something really interesting there and it often gets overlooked fractals have a pretty clear relationship to decorative patterning there's you know it's about pattern it's about these repetitive shapes definitely and art historian peter fuller has suggested that the traditional idea of the decorative is somehow deeply involved in our quest to understand and represent an ultimate reality this is exemplified in communal art in traditional societies and also in artists such as Matisse. Mm-hmm. So decorative art of this kind describes the underlying patterns out of which we and it are made. So humans are intrinsically attracted to the de- decorative because it represents what we come from. Mm-hmm. Which you probably don't think of when you're looking at like a decorative wallpaper or something. Right, right. So fractal art... At least the way we define it is typically a digital art form. It's mm-hmm. putting these numbers into a computer and then seeing what happens. And people have cr- created some really cool things off of it. Here's just a fun one, a fun fractal art um, that I found. And it just kind of looks, I don't know, like this trippy, trippy flower mm-hmm. of another dimension, like sprouting into it the does. universe. But where this connects more so to drugs is also... You see fractals when you're on LSD. Yeah. <laughs> Everything um, starts to kind of break up into these fractals, especially if you stare at something long enough. You start to see you start to see little pieces and patterns mm-hmm. emerging in everything you look at. Acid is crazy. It is. So it's like I've had people ask me, what do you think the difference is between like mushrooms and acid? And I feel like when I've tried mushrooms, like you are seeing sort of more organic like things mm-hmm. look like they're breathing like mm-hmm. it's very much like a connection connected to the mm-hmm. earth sort of and like also your eyes kind of playing tricks on you yeah whereas with acid it's it's like um you know when you're looking at a picture um let's say in like photoshop right you turn the saturation all the mm-hmm. way up and how it kind of sizzles mm-hmm. yeah that's, there's a sizzle there's sizzling <laughs> that's why people call it frying mm-hmm. because there's like a sizzle and, and you see these patterns it's also why you shouldn't take multiple hits no because you don't it's not sizzle you don't want to sizzle but not that's not fun um but there's something industrial about lsd there's something a little more like yeah yeah about it just like yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's the sound yeah i i agree um Some of our listeners are like, whoa. And other listeners are like, yo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So really briefly, I want to talk about the LSD artist 
Alex Gray. Oh my God, he trips me out. He is, he has <laughs> done a lot of art. He has jumped all over. He's worked in performance art, process art, installation art, sculpture, visionary art, and painting. Hmm. Some things about his history. He worked at Harvard Medical School, prepper, prepping cadavers and studying the human body. Yeah. Whoa. Which is That's very so obvious yeah. in his paintings. Um, he is very interested in human biology yeah. and how it connects to everything else and mm-hmm. spirituality mm-hmm. he did a whole bunch of lsd and mm-hmm. this is you can go to his website it says it right there i'm not just like speculating <laughs> um them's facts them's is facts. Yes. yeah him and his wife they've throughout the years they've tripped and made art and you just know? have a cool thing going on he also instructed artistic anatomy and figure sculpture for 10 years at new york Uni- university and he taught visionary art intensives with his wife, which I don't know what that entails, but I am intrigued. I am intrigued yeah. as well. I, um, I, I'm seeing here that he's a practitioner of Vajrayana Buddhism or Tantric Buddhism. Yay. So that there also might be... is evident in his work. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so if you know anything about Tantra... It gets kind of freaky. <laughs> it gets sexy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing about Tantra, like, I actually wish I knew more about it because I think the common misconception is that, like, Tantra is just all about crazy sex positions. And it's, it's actually... It's not even that. It's not that at all. It's, it's about like breathing. Yeah. It's about harnessing, like, energy and, and achieving, like, spiritual connection through sex and stuff. So it's intense. And you see that in his work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His work is so... It's weirdly geometric, but also like heavily organic. Exactly. It's a fusion of the two. We'll briefly trip out on his work. So um, we'll have some of his work up on our images and we'll have the link to his website. This is a ton of his paintings that are listed under the series Progress of the Soul. And as you scroll through, there's a ton of them. And as you scroll through them, you're going to feel more and more like you're tripping um, as you look at them. (laughs) They kind of, they, they course the entire process of human existence. So we start with like Adam and Eve and just we're making our hominid. Yeah. It's a a hominid. Hominid. hominid Then we have this couple and their different stages of falling in love. We've got different stages of kissing. This one's kind of fun. Their little tongues are sticking out. They're just touching tongues. Um, they're <laughs> holding each other in Aww, like a very really tender sweet. embrace. I know. I like these. And it gradually, it turns in. I like this one a lot. Yeah. And all of these. So Embracing. they're images of people, but they're uh, super trippy because you can see all of their anatomy in yeah. very bright colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like nerves on fire. Yeah. For real. Um, and then... And then it develops into them having sex. And then this is conceptually, I think it gets really crazy. We zoom in. <laughs> Penetration. <laughs> we zoom into yeah. the, the actual sex, sexual yes. act. Yes. And then we see the egg being fertilized. Mm-hmm. And this one's really interesting. Right. It's called embryo. And it's the fertilized egg. And it's just where life is springing in the middle of the egg. And there's a little, there's an eye. Yeah. And crazy designs. Right. And like, so it's like the little third eye mm-hmm. of existence in the embryo. And then the next one is a Tool um, album cover. Oh, really? Um, no, but this <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Alex Gray actually did um, <laughs> album covers. He, he did some stuff for the band Tool. Um, um, that's hilarious. Good, good band. I, I enjoy them. 
But so yeah. Ooh, implantation. We've got the whole in process the, in the uterus of the baby growing, and once again, still in this kind of trippy style. All of this stuff is. Um, then the baby comes into the world, and it's just like, whoa! World. I love that baby. I his know. his face. That must. I wonder. God, I just want to know what it's like to be a baby and have everything <laughs> be new. I know. I wish we remembered it. I know. There's the reason we don't remember yeah, it. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably fucked up. Insane. It's very traumatic. Yeah. Insanely overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to remember. It's probably fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it is probably it's fucked up. We were in the safe caverns of the universal, like, void and yeah on earth like what the fuck okay (laughs) yeah there's um there's something called i think it's called like primal scream therapy where like the basic idea behind it is that we all suffer from really extreme sort of hidden trauma just from being born just the the just being born like instills you with trauma um, but before we jump off Alex Gray, I did want to show you guys this one. This one's called The Holy Family. Uh, and yes. this one's got some art they historical some connections. Yeah. Yeah. They've got little halos and then the baby is standing in the middle with his little finger up. Little Messiah. So I think that has clear <laughs> spiritual connections, religious connotations. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then, I mean, it goes through all of life. And then I'm just fast forwarding here. We get all the way to death and death is crazy. Oh, man. I know. Right. Isn't yeah. That nuts? I love this so much. Yeah. And so like the life force is like leaving the body and then entering this crazy DMT trip that I'm sure is what death is like. Oh, man. I see. I, I'm so curious about DMT. But if I see anything like that, I will never <laughs> be normal again. Like, I'll yeah, never be able to just look at the world <laughs> normally. And I think it's just going to traumatize me Dude, like, for you. the rest of my life. I feel you. I, I There is that Jesus. movie DMT, The Spirit Mo- Molecule. I haven't seen that. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And most people, though, say it has a very calming effect. They want to start using DMT on like terminal cancer patients mm. to help get oh. them more comfortable with death. Interesting. Um, because while Whoa. it seems crazy, it also is supposed to be very like calming. Right. Huh. Make you feel like you understand death better. Okay. Um, this is making me feel crazy. I know. We're talking about so this much. This is so deep right okay, now. Okay. So that's Alex Gray. Very trippy stuff. Uh, yeah you know besides just the message behind his work just the level of technical skill mm-hmm. is outrageous oh yeah he's yeah. outstanding he is he so does beautiful skilled. work and he has a huge volume of work too like yeah so you should definitely look into him if you haven't um, already should we take a quick break let's take a break let's take a break um and uh we'll be right back let, let you let you think about yeah just things. think about that think about stuff. death and uh you know universal trauma i'm gonna think while. about it <laughs> open up your third eye <laughs> over the and break. then close it shut real fast <laughs> well you're we'll not ready right back <laughs> we're back and we're back talking about drugs Talking about drugs. Talking about illicit substances. Ooh. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we left <laughs> off on some super heavy, some super heavy shit, man. I can't handle it. I know. It's too much. That was, that was a lot. I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry if I hit you guys with too much. It's a lot, but yeah, it's interesting. Those of you who are still with us. Hi. Uh, hi. Welcome back. Um, just a little bit more. Um, so uh, we live in the Bay Area and um, not all that long ago, there was a really fun and interesting exhibit at the De Young Museum in San Francisco um, that finished up around August 20th on August 20th. It was called Summer of Love Experience Art, Fashion and Rock and Roll. And what was fascinating to me about this show were seeing these posters because when we think about the 1960s and the whole summer of love and everyone's on acid and uh, you know, we got the grateful dead playing like a 45 minute jam and mm-hmm. everyone's just <laughs> yes <laughs> out of their minds. Um, so we think about these posters, these really um, psychedelic posters. And so that's a word. The word psychedelic is an adjective. So it notes a mental state characterized by a profound sense of intensified sensory perception, sometimes accompanied by severe perceptual distortion and hallucinations and by extreme feelings of either euphoria or despair. Whoa. And so this is kind of apparent in these posters that are really iconic to uh, the 1960s sort of music scene, uh, especially the San Francisco scene. So there's a few of these posters that we're going to be looking at. And some of these artists that were famous for these posters really pioneered something that even till even up to today, if you see these letters that look like they're moving or melting or sort of undulating, Sometimes they're almost impossible to read. You associate that with this psychedelic era of the 1960s. These are brightly colored posters, often with contrasting colors between the text and the background. The artist Wes Wilson was very famous for designing posters for Bill Graham of the Fillmore. Bill Graham mm-hmm. was a very famous um, concert promoter and um, ran the Fillmore in San Francisco, which is still there and is a great venue. Go there. A few other examples. We have an, the artist Victor Moscoso, a graphic designer who actually borrowed ideas from comic books, Victorian images, Art Nouveau, and pop art and created this concept of vibrating colors. So in many of his pieces, it really looks like the words are vibrating. And it's achieved by taking colors from the opposite end of the color wheel and each one having an equal value, dark to light, and intensity or brightness. And so the one that I'm looking at here is a poster for the Miller Blues Band and it's got this nude woman mm-hmm. who from like Victorian era mm-hmm. nude woman um and she is surrounded her body is orange and she's surrounded by these halos of alternating light teal and a deep magenta and it it looks awesome i just want to keep looking at it last artist who i love very much um although he's heavily problematic 
I would love to do an episode on him one day. Um, and that is Mr. Robert Crumb, really famous comic book artist, and he also made album covers and posters for a lot of these San Francisco bands. When he moved to San Francisco, he showed up and he hated the hippie scene. If you've ever seen a picture of Robert Crumb, <laughs> he is not a hippie. <laughs> He's just like a dorky looking guy, and he really disliked what he saw. And eventually, though, he somehow became friends with people like Janis Joplin and Jerry Garcia from (laughs) The Grateful Dead. I don't know how, but he did. And they turned him on to acid. And he credits LSD as having a huge impact on his work and really propelling him to being this really famous graphic artist. So Crumb actually reported that, quote, somehow... LSD had liberated me in this way that allowed me to put it, comic book art, down on paper and not worry about what it meant. The critical turning point for Crumb in his LSD-inspired comic artwork came early on in what he described as the fuzzy acid episode. (laughs) And he describes it in very great detail in this really good documentary from 1994 and also in his introduction to volume four of the complete crumb comics from 1989. And uh, so this is from the introduction. He said, I had this big change in 1965 and 66, and it was visionary, very powerful, kind of like knock you on your ass kind of visionary experience. I took this very weird drug. Supposedly it was LSD, but I had a really weird effect where it made my brain all fuzzy and the effect lasted for a couple of months. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And I started getting these images. They were kind of like cartoon characters that I'd never drawn before i let go of trying to have any fixed idea about what i was doing and started to be able to draw these stream of consciousness comic strips all the characters that i used for the next several years i thought up during this and there's a really famous drawing by (laughs) crumb it's a called stoned stoned again and it's a very high high looking man and um, you slowly see his face melt into his hands until um, his eyeballs are on the table in front of him. It's pretty cool. pretty graphic <laughs> and uh, very cool. I think we're going to leave off with LSD just really quickly. I want to mention that there have been multiple studies done on how LSD um, has an effect on creativity. Some of these early studies are from all the way back to like 1940 where they also gave patients mescaline uh which is um the kind yeah. of isn't it it's like the active component in peyote yeah yeah mescaline mescaline's hot on the festy scene oh yeah I'm, I'm probably good off that um but <laughs> it is also a hallucinogenic drug and so they did a lot they being um these scientists <laughs> um uh, <laughs> one particular uh study by a person named Krippner observed that there was a direct link between psychedelic drugs and creativity there was a shift in the direction of enhanced ability to recognize patterns to isolate and minimize visual distractions and to maintain visual memory in spite of confusing color and spatial forms. P- 
patients who had ingested LSD performed significantly better than the control condition on the retest for originality of word associations. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. That is cool. So essentially, they found that these drugs actually were allowing people to sort of break out of their own minds and elevate perception Therefore, there was an increase in being able to differentiate between the alteration of figure slash ground, alteration of boundaries, movement, perceiving a greater intensity of color and light, oversimplification, symbolic depiction, abstraction, fragmentation, slash disorganization, and distortion. So all of these things are impacted with the use of LSD. Therefore... Some scientists have concluded um, that LSD is this precursor to a higher creativity. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of relates to a question that I had written down and I think will lead us into our last discussion. The dark side of things, I guess I should say. There's um, always a dark side. There is this idea, because obviously psychedelics, drugs, they affect creativity. They change the way you look at things. They can um, result in creative outbursts. However, do drugs themselves result in better art? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't think I, so. Yeah, the answer is probably not. I think it relates a lot to the to our, our favorite Hemingway quote, mm-hmm. right drunk, edit sober. Yeah. I think drugs get the ideas flowing. Right. I think they could. Because they curb inhibition. Yeah. So I think they can lead to better art. But when you're tripping really hard, you don't have like a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of control over what you're doing. Ultimately, this idea that like drugs are going to make you a good artist, like that's not true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And there are plenty of other downsides. Right. I think that we've been sort of glamorizing, Mm -hmm. um, like doing acid and being all expanded in yeah. your consciousness and you're because it's not for everyone you just see you know? everything so much clearer and your perception is just so sharp and you're gonna just become the next alex gray and that's really not the case and so we're not glorifying drugs in this episode whatsoever because there is a huge downside to doing yeah. acid i think ultimately we're just trying to be honest drugs, about drugs yeah about the positives and now the negatives. Yeah, um, I'm reminded yeah. of this anecdote. It's a lot of people think of the Beatles and how when they started doing acid, they just like went in this crazy direction with their music. But it was really dark. John mm-hmm. Lennon was doing acid every single day for yeah. like years and Ugh. it screwed him up. Ugh. Yeah, dude. That is not... It just like oof. hurts my heart to think about that. that right. does not sound like a way to live. People were afraid. They were like, he's going to literally go insane. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not something to be taken lightly. On that note, moving on to the more kind of nasty side of um, drugs in art... Yeah. We got Ginny here with the darkness. With hello. <laughs> the darkness. Just a quick little snippet of a few artists. There are many who have portrayed and addressed drug use in their work. Um, so these are just a few highlights. Plastic Jesus, if that name sounds familiar, 
we talked about Plastic Jesus in our propaganda art episode. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that made a little mini wall around Donald Trump's star on the Hollywood <laughs> Walk of Fame thing. So uh, Plastic Jesus has made two Oscar sculptures. So they are life-size mannequins that look like the Oscar sculptures that statues statues they're not you know um that you get when you win one of those awards an academy award (laughs) the artist um states with both of these pieces that he believes that hollywood has a rampant and under addressed drug problem the first oscar statue that he did um depicts itself as um with a belt tied around the left arm and shooting a syringe into that arm following the death and um, the overdose and consequent death of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I'm still sad about oh, that. Shit. Um, and there's a plaque at the base of the statue saying Hollywood's best kept secret. More recently, Plastic Jesus installed an Oscar statue on all fours, snorting lines with a plaque stating Hollywood's best party. And so these works are the artist's way of commenting on this like incredible drug drug use in Hollywood not just by like famous actors but all kinds of people involved in the industry and the fact that the industry really tries to keep it under wraps and it's only really given any attention when A-list celebrities die mm-hmm. like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Another artist is Nan Golden a really interesting artist. We should do an episode on her sometime. She's really fascinating. Uh, she's an American photographer who documented a hard drug subculture in New York she was part of in the 80s Um, She stated in an interview, quote, every time I go through something scary, traumatic, I survive by taking pictures. And she's also quoted as saying, I once told my students to just take LSD if they wanted to see the world clearly. (laughs) This culmination of trauma and strong presence of drug use can certainly be seen in her series, The Ballad of Sexual Dependency. It's a series of photographs which documents Golden's own addictions as well as that of those around her with brutal honesty, including her own abusive relationship that she was in. And she said that when I was 19, I put the needle down and I think that decision saved my life. And though I mixed heroin and coke, I never smoked crack. There is something genetic inside me that is about surviving. But so many people I know have gone that I do have survivor's guilt. And talking about how bad it got, she says, quote, oh, it got dark. After the ballad was published in 1986, I spent two years in my room. Whoa. Drugs became my full-time occupation, and about the only people I saw were my dealers. I never answered the phone. I have the answer phone tapes, but I'm afraid to listen to them. But for years, I used drugs before I abused them, and I had a good time. <laughs> people take drugs because they feel good, especially people who don't have a skin, who are really raw like I was. And I think that last line is really, really interesting. I do, yeah. too. I feel I almost like she's still sort of glamorizing it a little bit. Well, I mean, drugs, I think, especially with someone like that, like drugs are part of who she is right there is like a glamorization there but i i think there's an honesty to it too like for sure and like the photos the series ballad of sexual dependency like it's not glorifying drug like you can see 
in some of the images from it, you know, she has someone smoking a crack pipe. And then there's like another picture of a woman who's like cl very clearly strung out and is like in garish makeup and is super pale and just looks like she's having a horrible time. So it's like I get it to like the talking about like, you know, for years I did drugs and I was just having a good time. And then like w where that transitions yeah. to being a dark time mm -hmm. is really She's interesting. Still alive. She is. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. She's still living and working in New York. But yeah, dark series, but beautiful. Another artist, speaking of crack, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is uh, Keith Haring. As far as I know, uh, he hasn't done crack. I love him Keith. so much. What a cutie. So Keith Haring made a mural in New York in a New York City handball court titled Crack is Whack as a response to the crack epidemic in New York City during the 80s. Um, the work was not commissioned and was done without city permission, but as soon as he put it up, it almost immediately was granted um, protection by the city parks department and still exists in C2 today. And it's like in very typical kind of Keith Haring style. Mm -hmm. And I read one source. I don't know if it's correct. So like take this with a grain of salt. But apparently Haring had an assistant who got addicted to crack and they tried helping him mm. and it didn't work. So it was, according to this one source, partially personal. I wasn't able to corroborate that and other things, so well, I'm not sure. Well, but he was he was part of the art world. So he was around He crack. was around it. Like, he was... He's um, around it. He was friends with... Basquiat. Yeah. With Basquiat. Yeah. And, like, so he was around it and probably directly affected by it in yeah. many ways. Totally. Totally. And it's a really interesting piece, too, because later Reebok... <laughs> printed the graphics from it on a pair of their shoes <laughs> well, whoa because it turned into that whole campaign oh yeah like, crack, crack is whack, whack was like <laughs> the thing yeah exactly i still remember seeing whitney houston on tv oh. saying crack is whack oh god i was like girl you're on crack right now it's <laughs> no. so sad no shit oh. man another whitney fucking bummer i know man speaking of bummers, talent taken too soon um just we briefly mentioned Basquiat. Mm -hmm. um, he died from he, he did. drug overdose. Yes, he did. Um, <sighs> and he was famous. Like he really embraced his drug use in his art making. There's a story where he was performing and doing a live show where he was painting, and he was in his studio and had large canvases throughout his studio that he was moving back and forth from, and he had piles of cocaine on tables in front of each of these huge canvases. And so in between painting on the canvases, he would just huff, like, enormous uh, lines of coke. Dude. And then just chronically, like, he smoked marijuana like cigarettes, like like chain-smoking yeah. joints. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just crazy, too, because, like, it. he went from, like, being a dude who would like go to a bar because he thought the bartender was pretty and he would just stand there because he was so poor he couldn't even afford a drink <laughs> to being like this hot artist who could afford like piles of cocaine. All the coke. <laughs> I mean, no wonder shit went around. I, I just feel like that oh, it's just a recipe just for sad. too close sad to ends. the sun. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Truly. Very sad. One who almost flew too close to the sun. <laughs> Damien Hurst. Ah. 
who we've also talked about in the past. Hearst has been relatively upfront about his use of drugs and alcohol, which um, he says turned him into a babbling wreck. Beginning in 1990, Hearst began, began work on a piece titled Standing Alone on the Precipice and Overlooking the Arctic Wastelands of Pure Terror. Whoa. Which is an installation of glass, stainless steel, aluminum, nickel, bismuth, and cast resin color plaster and painted pills with dry transfers so essentially what it is is it looks like a giant installation of the inside of like a huge medicine cabinet filled with different kinds of pills oh yeah i've seen that before yeah mm -hmm. um and he's worked with pharmacological themes before and this particular piece came from quote everything he had so just like transferring like his own dependence and like addiction issues into this work obviously with the title it's like this vast expanse of like okay you have all of these like different drugs at your fingertips and it's like a terrifying just endless kind of abyss mm -hmm. um, so it's a really interesting piece our gal marina abramovich decided to do a performance piece called Rhythm Number no. 2 in the 70s in which he took two separate pills. One pill was for patients diagnosed with catatonia and then a pill for patients diagnosed with schizophrenia. And so this was part of a series where she was trying to really test the limits of her own mind and body and kind of the endurance of both of those. And so she... Her intention was to see what her body would do under the effects of drugs and whether or not her mind would stay present. And so both drugs resulted in convulsions and seizures, which she had filmed, which is really interesting. Oh, my God. Those, are some, is, like, those are some interesting choices of all the right. drugs. Yeah. Like of all the drugs in the world, you want to take something that's prescribed to schizophrenics yeah. right like, like literally antipsychotics right yeah. and she said she didn't like have really a sense of self and like it was just very uh, I would out not of body touch that stuff she no. is so hardcore she, she really is, is i'm hardcore like i feel af i'm afraid of her no. <laughs> like i'm afraid of what she's capable of <laughs> because she's willing to take some crazy drug yeah. that is for like legitimately ill patients mm -hmm. and like filmed herself having I think yeah. she's chilling seizures. out though she's yeah. getting older she's kind of older yeah. now I don't she's think she's yeah. done some crazy shit I don't yeah, think dude. we can expect too much more insanity from her but who knows maybe she'll surprise us she might um, it's totally yeah. possible <laughs> she did that collabo with Jay-Z really um, that what? wasn't great <laughs> I did yeah. not hear about um, this that Jay -Z, I don't know that match do doesn't seem uh harmonious to me <laughs> yeah and it turned into a lot of drama oh i remember but oh. yeah they i don't i didn't heard anything about yeah this. i just put marina abramovic says cruel jay-z completely used her for picasso <laughs> baby stunt um, what <laughs> um this sounds like crazy yeah this is a couple years ago cruel jay-z yeah He's cruel. <laughs> i mean we're not gonna get into this here because it doesn't have anything to do with drugs but we'll talk about it in the marina abramovich episode yes. that we're i cannot to do. wait to do that episode yeah. because i want to talk about this woman 
and <laughs> the insane things that she has put her body through. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, we'll my definitely God. do it. We have a baby episode coming out on her, and we'll definitely do a full yeah. yes. episode yeah. as well. Yes. Um, and then we can talk about cool Jay Z. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any other stuff? Yeah. Maybe? Those were my highlights. Like I said, there are certainly more, but yeah. um, those were just at least more kind of contemporary artists who have addressed drug use and its effects in not the most like optimistic of ways so yeah that's what i got nice got a you know two sides of the coin i would like to look at because there wasn't too much in this book like i said there is a lot of um oh i see some uh, judith beheading yeah, whole too, right? nice um, there is a lot of art in here but when it's all broken down like there's a lot of film and a lot of a lot of literature and all these other things so i wish there was more specific examples of artworks of people on drugs because yeah. i want to look at like what art looks like when you're on cocaine what art looks like when you're on heroin you isn't know? there a dude that does that I like he so. he does i think i saw that in my research where there's like a guy that does different i don't know if it's portraits or something where he'll try different drugs yeah i think i have seen those and a lot of yeah. them look just kind of like Scrolls. I think a few people, <laughs> but they all—they all, I think, reflect their drug. And yes, his name—I've yeah. looked at it before. His I name know. is Brian Lewis Saunders. Um, so he's definitely not the only person that's ever done this. But yeah, I think um, there's been a few. It's interesting. I want to know how much of his creative output is like if he goes into it with an idea of what. So this uh, particular work right here. He does a portrait of himself as a snake <laughs> on 10 milligram of Adderall. And it's very intricate. And at the top, it's like Adderall. <laughs> and um, it's, re it's really crazy looking. Um, so I'm wondering, like, how much of it is I think that this is what my work will look like on Adderall. Yeah. And how much of it is I'm on Adderall. I yeah. want to make something no yeah, i think it's that's, hard to say for think sure. that's really fair like if he goes into it with this premeditated like yeah this, what is, Adderall looks this like. is alcohol and i'm sorry no. i've been trashed and i no. could make better yeah. like no. you know like that's a lot that's not unless he was uh, completely blacked yeah. the hell out if he had alcohol poisoning maybe but like you can yeah. you know make shit ambient huh. Ooh. That, i mean it's he looks like a weird Hobbit. His mouth is so picture. small. Um, <laughs> okay, this one's bath salts. Like, no. Why was he on bath salts? Because he, he looks like a crazy babe. <laughs> I don't. This is, I think, what people sort of have in mind when we're talking about drugs, Probably. like taking drugs mm -hmm. and doing art. But I have a feeling that people that do this kind of thing where they're like butane honey oil. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Like even. I don't know. It's so crazy because in the world of drugs, I know so little. Like there is so, so many crazy things people do to get high. I want to call out because I'm thinking about this particular artist that I came across, this man named Larry Rivers, who I had never heard of. A man who was regarded as an abstract expressionist. He was painting at the same time as the big ab X artists like de Kooning, Pollock, mm -hmm. Rauschenberg. And 
no one remembers Larry Rivers and Larry Rivers um, painted in somewhat of a different style, but it was still an abstract expressionist. And he really consciously positioned himself as a junkie. He did heroin and was like, yeah, I do heroin. And because of that, it seems he has been um, sort of relegated to the margins of the canon as far as like app X goes. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because artists like de Kooning, Pollock, Rauschenberg were heavy alcoholics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heavy Pollock alcoholics. Especially, man. Um Ooh. the the art historian and also queer theorist Gavin Butt believes that it was Larry Rivers' drug use that has made him the sort of invisible figure in Ab X. And a lot of that is because of prejudices among art historians yeah um no i think that's a perfect like that's a perfect mirror to american society because like we talked about in the ab x episode abstract express expressionism was the quintessential american movement right mm. and in terms of american society everybody's an alcoholic almost it's like we are so chill with excess drinking yeah but outside of that all of a sudden things become taboo you know yeah and i think that the reason why we have such a terrible drug problem in this country is because it's so taboo and so mm -hmm. illegal that if you have a drug problem you are afraid to come forward and say like i've been railing crystal meth yeah because yeah. then it's not the same as saying i'm an alcoholic yeah even though both are damaging you damaging your life and those around you they're both addiction they exactly. operate mentally they operate the same way but like, we romanticize alcoholics like mm -hmm. this you know who has not romanticized people like charles bukowski oh god hemingway <laughs> hemingway yeah. um jackson pollock who else uh, there's Just many the addiction americans are po. more comfortable with <laughs> poor poe <laughs> poor poe <laughs> <laughs> so i I think that the takeaway is that everything is drugs, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's my takeaway. Everything yeah. is drugs. <laughs> well, it's like what we started out with, that quote that we started out with yeah. in the beginning of the episode. Your morning coffee, that's a drug. It is. It's another drug that Americans are addicted yeah. to because yeah. it makes you more productive. Your cigarette with the nicotine is a drug. Mm-hmm. The wine that I'm drinking is a drug. Yeah. And yeah. so we just historically pick certain ones to be bad. Right. Yes. And certain ones not to right. be. And there are typically political reasons behind it. Mm -hmm. There dang it. It's I know, it's really interesting when you break it down to individual drugs and why we feel the way we feel about individual drugs. But yeah, they exist, they've always existed. Uh use responsibly. I think yeah if you're going yeah. like if you're going to be re responsible adult about it be an adult kids don't like yeah kids shouldn't be listening to this episode first off right cuz like, I mean you're going to do what you're going to do but kids just shouldn't touch drugs like you just shouldn't wait wait till you're old enough and your brain's formed to that's make true decisions yeah like, it really does damage a um developing brain mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. even something uh, you know i can't stand people that are just like 
marijuana is completely harmless. Like, that is wrong. Yeah, if you get addicted to smoking pot when you're 14, like, you're not going to be in great shape by the time you're 21. And yeah. but regardless of what anybody says, pot is addicting. It is, dude. It You can totally be mentally reliant on weed. Like, mm-hmm. it's entirely doable. Yeah, so safe sesh my friends <laughs> my guys my guys be safe out there um always um stay hydrated oh yes oh no, no matter, matter what, what drug you're on that's just a good call <laughs> even if, just stay hydrated yeah. even if you're not no, on drugs. Like, even like coffee if you're drinking coffee you should be drinking water along yes. with it that should dehydrate you'll you. have to pee a lot more but it's good <laughs> it's good once it, your pee <laughs> is clear yeah you are here take care of your kidneys you'll need those later and also now (laughs) (laughs) you need them now you need them tomorrow you'll need them some years from now um with that with that we'll do a quick listener mail yeah this was a super fun episode i could talk about this stuff for a lot longer um so if you have questions or anything or thoughts please email us hit us up um yeah we want to hear what you have to say we'd love to hear your feedback for sure um does someone want to read this email i'll read from it carly? carly carly hello art history babes i recently found your podcast and i'm loving every minute of it loving is in all caps i've been working my way through the last year's worth of episodes they make my morning commute educational and filled with laughs I've learned so much from the podcast and love that you all talk art history in a fun and real way. I have a BA in art history and because my job is outside the art history realm, I like to continue to educate myself in the art history space whenever I can. And your podcast helps me do just that. My shining art history moment was my senior thesis on Robert Smithson's Spiral Jetty. Fuck yeah. Oh man, that's Corey shit. Love it. And it's <laughs> and its connection to hyperspace and entropy. It's been six years since I wrote that, but it still makes my heart beat like crazy thinking about how fucking dope that piece is. Yeah. And I just feel like you ladies would appreciate that feeling. We do. Yes, I very much appreciate that feeling. A quick thought for a possible episode. Have you ever considered doing an episode on David Lynch? Though he primarily is a film director, he got his start as a painter and fine artist in Philadelphia. After watching the show Twin Peaks, I became so obsessed with his bizarre and artistic style. I watched all of his movies and short films, as well as read about his art. You can truly see his painterly and fine art skills coming through in his films. If you haven't seen Twin Peaks, you gotta. Girl, we seem to. We're on it. Um, (laughs) Especially the new Return episode that just came out on Showtime. It is bizarre, artistic, dark, and completely brilliant collection of episodes. I promise, as art people, you guys would love it. It's nothing like you've ever seen. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> Jen is skeptical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry for the long ramble. Just wanted to share some stuff. I fucking love you gals. Keep up the good work. You're seriously killing the game. And I'm recommending the podcast to all my friends. In Art We Trust, Carly. Dude, Carly. Thank you. That is such a nice email. That you was really nice. sound super chill and like you would fit right in. Oh. Um, and yeah, David Lynch. Let's That's a really good idea. It. Yeah, I think that that would Twin be fun. Is so trippy. It's trippy and beautiful. Well, yeah. beautifully shot. You yeah. know what I've been um, meaning to bring up is film is art, and absolutely. I think that we should do film. a film episode. Yeah, whether it would be like spotlighting David Lynch or I a few multiple. different directors. Yeah. Um, I think we should do. I think we should 
try and do a I lot of. I know who I would do. I think we is should it try. got to do it. Wes Anderson? No, it's Fellini. Oh. We talked about this in the very beginning when we first started yeah. this podcast. Like, film is a part, like, the biggest part of visual culture, I Dude, feel yeah. like, right now. So I, I think we should, as often as possible, try and extend into film. Yes. Maybe do, like, a introduction into the history of film episode mm-hmm. and then yeah, like that spotlight would be, different yeah different filmmakers because mm-hmm. it's it's moving images like it's yes. j- exactly what we do it's just it is moving images visual culture exactly yes um so and like i mentioned on the duchamp episode i want to do maya darren she's a filmmaker yeah. yeah we'll definitely add him to the list um have you have you been to snow snoqualmie falls can't say that I have. Snoqualmie Falls is right outside of Seattle. It's where oh. the opening scene ah. of Twin Peaks with the waterfall. I've been to some weird towns in Washington, but I haven't been there. <laughs> it's beautiful. You should go the next time you're up there. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's not far outside of Seattle, but it you can stand in the exact spot that is that waterfall view oh. in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Nice. I have a picture of it. But uh, it's a must-see for any Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was super fun one to record. Make sure you head over to our Patreon, patreon.com. Patreon. Babes. Um, if we reach our goal, we will begin to release edited versions of past episodes. So this is for those of you who may want to play an episode in the car and you got your kids in there and you don't want them hearing all of our spicy words <laughs> or um, if you are an educator and mm-hmm. you would like your students to maybe listen to a podcast or two, we want to be able to provide that to you. So help us help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as we mentioned before, it won't change the original format. The original episodes will be uncensored. We will just create censored versions for For those uses. Um, So that's a great way to support us. Plus, you get exclusive episodes. Exclusive content. When you become a a patron, and they're really fun. So head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes. Help support us. Help us keep doing this thing. You can also buy our merchandise. Buy a top. Buy a bag. Buy a mug, buy our hearts. Consumerism, baby. We I'm about in a it. Capitalist society. We do, and it's you get uh, something cool, and we get paid. Um, so <laughs> arthistorybabes.com/slash/merchandise. We appreciate you. You are all so amazing, and thanks, thanks. Bye bye. Have a good time. From Take pot. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be a loser. (laughs)